Is it normal to say, and now we're live? I feel like I don't know what else to say when we start these things, because here we're all in the background and we got this thing going, then we push it live and now we're live on LinkedIn. We're live. We're What's live. Buddy? What's, up? What's going on, Rev? It's uh, it's good to be here with you. Uh, for everybody out there, my name is Chip Close. I'm a restaurant coach. I'm the author of The Restaurant Marketing Mindset, and I am the host of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. I'm here with Rev. Rev, give a quick little introduction. Don't make me do it. <laughs> well, this is technically live on my LinkedIn, although it'll be on your podcast. So everybody, I'm Rev Ciancio. I am a hospitality marketing consultant. I help both restaurants and hospitality technology companies with their marketing. Uh, and outside of that, I also own a hamburger joint called Handcraft Burgers and Brew in New York City. Now, if you ask my mom what I do, she might tell you that I put pictures of pizza on the internet, and she's not entirely wrong. Yeah, uh, I'm also having two back to back dinners tonight. That's my bio. <laughs> uh, Rev is famous for uh, pointing at food on the Internet. Um, anybody who knows Rev uh, knows that that's true. Uh, Rev, thanks for hosting us here on your LinkedIn uh, profile. Uh, to everybody who's hearing this later on the Restaurant Strategy Podcast, I appreciate you guys tuning in. So here's the deal. Rev and I are co-hosting an event called the P3 Marketing Summit. So for those of you who may or may not know, I run a mastermind for restaurant owners. Uh, currently, we've got more than 100 members in this program spread across three different groups. It is called the P3 Mastermind. Uh, we meet via Zoom for two hours every single week to punch through the specific issues that independent restaurant owners and operators face. My dream, my goal was always to get us live in person together a couple of times a year. And so in 2024, um, I'm able to do that. Rev is helping make that a reality. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to partner with somebody. He's the guy who made the most sense because he's the smartest restaurant marketer I know. You wanted so the, the best and instead you got me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's cool about Rev and I is that uh, I've I like to think strategically, 30,000 foot view. I like big picture thinking. I like to think ideas. And he is the exact opposite. He is on the ground figuring out tactically what's working today, what's probably going to work tomorrow. So we're a good one-two punch. We're co-hosting this event. It happens January 14th, 15th, and 16th in Columbia, South Carolina. It's a great food town, a growing food town. Um, we're excited to be there. It's three days, five workshops. Two different parties. Yes, two. Open bar at both parties. Uh, they're networking events. They're a chance for us to you know, talk about the things that we learned during the day, to ask further questions, uh, to, to blow off some steam and just sort of rub elbows with each other. Because the, the more we're, we're sidelined with each other, um, the, the closer we get to each other, the, the better we can only get. That's the event, right? What we hope this is over the next little while today um, is a preview of that event because the event is being sponsored uh, by three different companies, Milagro, Ovation, and Marquee. Um, and they were uh, chosen or invited to be a part of this um, in a very specific, uh, for very specific reasons, uh, because what that software, what those pieces of software do, uh, the way that these people think, uh, the companies that are putting them together um, align really closely to what Rev believes, what I believe. So today we wanna preview that event we want to give you guys some real insights, some real actionable takeaways so that you can say, oh, wow, you can get um, you can see the impact of the work even before you go to the event. And hopefully by the end of this, you say this is really cool. This is really great. Um, how do I how do I be a part of it? I will tell you how to be a part of it later on. 
You know me. You know Rev. I'd love to introduce or have uh, our, our three uh, guests here introduce themselves, who they are, what their uh, what their company does uh, as a way of kicking this thing off. Kelsey, why don't you start? All right. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Kelsey Verdier. I run marketing at Marquee. Marquee is a one-stop digital operations platform for restaurants. And in regular speak, that just means you can manage your online listings, all of your online menus and your reviews across the internet from one place. So the way we think about it is a great guest experience starts with their first interaction that they have with your brand. And often that's online. They're searching for your menu. They wanna know when you're open. They're looking for reviews to choose where we're going to eat. And um, how you respond to those reviews, how you help them understand what's available to them when they want to eat and what they're craving, uh, that's a huge part of their guest experience. So Marquee helps you manage all of those elements with less time and less effort. I love it. It's uh, it's a really cool product and I can't wait to get more into that, not only today, but uh, during the the weekend uh, down in Columbia. Uh, attendees are gonna wait. learn a lot more. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh, Hamid. Hi guys, uh, thanks Chip. Uh, my name is Hamed, I'm the founder of Milagro. And for Milagro, we started the company to help restaurants master their acquisition and retention channel. So our software today helps restaurants get more customers in the door, but more importantly, helps you get your existing guests to come back in more often. Because as we all know, the frequency of visit, the more frequent the guests come in and visit, the higher your top line revenue, which solves all of your common pain points. Every restaurant who says they have thin margins, high food costs, labor issues, it all stems from top line revenue or lack of top line revenue. So our focus is how do we get the customers to come back in? How do we get them to enjoy that experience and therefore solve for those three major problems, again, by increasing top line revenues? I love it. Uh, and then finally, Kyle, introduce yourself. Tell us, uh, tell everybody who you are, what you do. How's it going? I'm Kyle Vorkink. I've been running marketing for Ovation for the last few years and uh, I'm coming at you out of Utah. Outside of work, I love getting outdoors. I love the piano you can see back here. Um, and I love going to the gym often enough to bring it up, but not often enough that you know I like going to the gym by looking at me. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's where we're at there. And yeah, like I was said, I've, I've been at Ovation for the last few years and Ovation is an actionable guest feedback platform for restaurants. So we're really trying to just build connection and build relationship between restaurants and their guests to measure that guest experience, improve the guest experience. And we do it through two question SMS based surveys, really easy to take that take you to one on one real time chats with the guests for guest retention um, and for increased engagement. And then we've got really powerful reporting to help you know what's going on in your locations and what next steps you need to take to improve that guest experience. I love it. Um, what we're really talking about over the course of uh, even just those brief introductions is customer journey. And I love customer journey because it's something that we don't haven't talked about as much in the restaurant industry until the last couple of years. In the restaurants, we're really good about talking about steps of service. What happens first, second, and third over the course of a diner's hour or two hours in the restaurant. But really, what other businesses get really good at doing is thinking about the customer journey. Rev, how do you think about customer journey? Give us give us sort of a, an overview there. 
Man, it, that is the toughest question ever to answer. But I think everybody, because everybody has a different one. But to me, customer journey, customer experience is about the entirety of that process, right? So I often like to think of this in like how it works. But let's say that Hamed goes to an amazing restaurant in Dallas and he posts it to his TikTok and he, I see it. Like, man, that's amazing. What's the next thing I'm going to do? I'm probably going to go to Google and search for that. Or I might go to TikTok and see if they have presence. Or I might go to Yelp and look at their reviews. I've already had three touch points with that brand and they don't even know me. Let's say then I want to go make a reservation. Okay, now I made a reservation. There's going to be some emails that are coming to me as confirmation. Now it's the, I'm going and I'm taking Kelsey with me. So I'm going to send her a link to the reservation. Now there's like seven or eight touch points. Brand doesn't even know my name yet. I got to get directions there. Then I go eat. Then you're going to ask me for a review. Then I'm going to get into your CRM. You go, By the time I've had like one sandwich, there's like 20 or 25 customer touch points along there. And I think it's important that the brand be in charge of all of them or at least have some sort of control of that. And so that they know what's happening and the experience that I'm having as a guest aligns to what happens is my experience in the store. That makes sense. It makes absolute sense. Rev, the best part about it is that yes, being in control of them, that's obviously where we're going. But for me, from all the operators and owners that I talk to, they haven't even quite even realized that they can control so many of those aspects. And what Kyle said, what Hamed said, what Kelsey said, what all these companies help do is really um, help the owner, help the operator um, manage that customer journey better, understanding that people are going to discover you a variety of different ways. They're going to go to learn about you in a variety of different places. They're going to become curious. They're going to make a reservation on your website or on the Open Table app or on Google, or they can come into the net in a variety of different ways. And we really need to be ready. We need to guard all of the entrances to the castle. We really need to make sure that that wherever a guest is, or a potential diner is, that we're ready for them no matter which door they end up coming in. Uh, a friend of mine worked in, has worked in hotels for, I don't know, 35 years. And he always says, he's like, marketing these days is just like running a hotel because you gotta have somebody at every door. You don't know whether they're gonna come in the front door, the side door, the back, coming from upstairs, uh, from one of the rooms upstairs, downstairs, they're coming from the gym. You gotta be ready for whichever way they're gonna en enter the lobby. And I think it's a really great way of thinking about it. So this P3 uh, marketing summit, right? We wanted to throw a really great party for three days and we want it to be very, very tactical, very actionable. So here's the idea is, hey, why would I leave my uh, home, come all the way there and spend a couple of days there? What am I gonna get out of it that I can't get out of it listening to podcasts or reading a book or watching YouTube videos? The networking piece is huge. Um, Everyone's going to get notebooks and fill those notebooks, I hope, with a, with things that you can do right away. So, again, it's three days. It's it's really two and a half days, right? Everyone flies in on Sunday. There's a party. There's a welcome party on Sunday night. It's really cool. I don't want to ruin it, but it's in a really cool venue. It's not just your, uh, your typical cocktail party. We tried to make it uh, actually really fun, and I think it is actually going to be really fun. That's on Sunday night, the 14th. 15th, we basically have eight hours of workshop all day. And then we sort of chill out by going to another party. <laughs> uh, did I say open bar? <laughs> uh, so the ticket that uh, an attendee buys to this gets you into uh, both full days of workshops, you know, 
all three days of events, both parties, all of that. So party Sunday night, workshop all day Monday, party again Monday night, and then workshops all day on Tuesday. And then either you hang around, you have dinner that night, Columbia's uh, turned into a really great food town, uh, or you fly out that night, but you're going to leave there with tons of actionable insights. Things we say, if you want to do this, then this is what you need to go do. I, I look at it this way, and everything you said times 10, but for somebody that's coming to this, right, it's immersive, right? So, like, you could go watch a, a webinar, you could w- listen to a podcast, you could read an article, but then you're going to go back to doing the thing you were doing beforehand. Like, it's just going to be a departure in the moment. This is fully immersive. For two and a half days, everybody that's going to come, this is what you're going to be thinking about. This is what you're going to be doing. This is what you're going to be concerned with. And you're going to up-level for the entire year in two and a half days. And I know that sounds like a bunch of like marketing hullabaloo as to why you should buy a ticket. But the truth is, for two and a half days, you're going to be so immersed in marketing that you're going to come back and you go, I know exactly what to do right now. I was not so, distracted by 10 other things. Yeah. Just focus. <laughs> and I think we, so as a podcast host, right? <laughs> and, and as a content creator yourself, um, one of the things that I feel like I really fight against, it, and I do it myself when I listen to, when I read a good book, when I listen to a good podcast, I sit there and I nod along. I say, this is really good. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with this. And then I'm guilty, just like so many of us are guilty of not putting that into practice. And so to your point, everyone's going to go learn, listen, put it into practice, and you're going to know what to do when you leave. And I think taking you out of your comfort zone, changing the environment um, is a big part of that. Now, let's talk about marketing, because there's a specific way that I, me personally, chip close, think about marketing. For me, there are a thousand definitions out there, right? So I asked Rev what his, uh, how he defines customer journey. There's a thousand def- definitions of that. For me, marketing is just something as simple as the three questions I ask everyone to ask themselves. What's my product? Who is that product for? And how do we reach them? What's the product? Who's it for? How do we reach them? Right? The product should be a solution to someone's problem. So you got to figure out who's got a problem we can solve. And then we spend most of our time figuring out how do we reach them? How do we convince them? How do we reach them again? How do we convince them again? That's all marketing is. And I think what happens is we get guilty of skipping over the first two questions which is what's the product? Who's that product for? And we go right to the stuff we do, right? The, the tactical stuff, the, hey, how do we reach them? And I think what happens is that we reach them or we, we reach out to them without a compelling argument because we don't know our people very much. And therefore we don't know how our, our product, our restaurant, our experience factors into to their lives. So that's one of the things that I want everyone to understand. That's something I believe. Like you have to simplify it down over the course of the five workshops, we've basically broken it down into the three areas that I believe. When we talk about what's the product, who is it for, how do we reach them? The how, for me, is really uh, focused in three different areas. And that's how we've broken down the workshop. That's what we're going to spend the rest of today talking about because I want uh, these guys, panel of experts here, to share some of the things that they believe, what works best or, or what they would recommend a restaurant owner, operator do right away in these areas. The three areas are customer acquisition, customer retention, and then finally evangelism, which is really word of mouth. So for me, it's three pieces, which is you got to get them in, you got to get them back, and then you got to get them talking. How do we get them in? How do we get them back? How do we get them talking? You heard Hamed, Kyle, 
Kelsey all talk about that. And that's really what Rev was saying. That's that customer journey is understanding how did they discover you? What made them uh, uh, convinced to come in and try you? What do you do to get them back? And what do you do to get them to go rave about you? So those are the three areas that we're really going to tackle. And we're going to dive in really, really deep over the course of the weekend in January. But as a little teaser, as a preview for that, I wanted to go around the horn here. And I want to tackle each of those three areas. So customer acquisition, customer retention, and finally evangelism. And I want to hear from you guys, the panelists. And, and Rev, you can chirp in. Uh, when you when you see fit, uh, I might add in my my two cents, although probably not. Kelsey, I'll start with you. If we're going to start with customer acquisition, so let's go around the horn. Let's talk about customer acquisition. How do we raise awareness for our brand and get people in the front door? If there was one thing you thought people should go as soon as they uh, as soon as they leave this, uh, finish listening to this, finish watching this, what should they do? What would you recommend doing? The, the biggest impact effort. So, so I have a question, question for everyone. When is, when how many of you have researched the menu online in the last two weeks? None of you? Rev has. How many of you have got menu before you go out to eat? Yeah, absolutely. 84% of people before they pick a restaurant and decide where to eat are researching the menu online first. And if restaurants and if don't have their menus in the places, in the places those, those guests are searching, they're not going, not going to every restaurant's individual website. They're looking best best high in Denver, Denver and then research research menus to see if it's something that looks good to them. They're looking looking at the Google links that their friend has sent and looking at the menus before they put their vote on where they want to eat. So I'm sorry if I'm having audio audio problem problem let me just pull that out that out try to switch off my headphones here it's better uh here we go hey all right there it is so try so try it again go go back again because we'll uh we'll edit this in uh in the podcast all right great um so i'll ask the question again how many of you have looked at a menu for a restaurant online in the last two weeks I mean, in the last hour. In the <laughs> yeah. last hour. Um, you're with 84% of people. 84% of people are going to research that menu online before they're going out to eat. So in my mind, guests are already looking. You've got fantastic food. You have an amazing environment in which people can enjoy that food. Take away the barriers to helping them find you and to unlock that guest acquisition. Make sure that your menus are present on your Google business profile, on your Yelp listing, in the places that your guests are looking, and then make sure your hours are correct. Especially coming up on the holidays, I've been both the potential guest that, that's looked online and seen that it's open and shown up and been bad that it's closed, and I've been the bartender answering the phone saying, yeah. yes, we're open. <laughs> Yes, we're open. Yeah, <laughs> it's not know, a good experience for anyone. So having that, taking away the barriers so that guests can find the information they're looking for and come see you is huge. I love that. So hours, location, hours, especially uh, around the holidays or unique weekends, things like that. And then making sure the menu is accessible. I will tell you, I travel a lot. I, I, we happen to travel a lot during holiday times and no one ever seems to get it right. The number of places we sort of walk up to and they're not they're not open drives me crazy. Um, Hamed, same question for you when it comes to customer acquisition. If someone were to do, what's the low hanging fruit? What's the one thing you think they should do? 
Actually, it's funny because I have the exact same menu item on my list. I'm literally looking at my list that I wrote down and it's just getting, look, before before you go into that restaurant, Rev and I had this discussion and we internally have made some changes to reflect this. Like for example, previously, we were just like everybody else. You made a reservation, it looked boring like everybody else because that's that was the standard. So now we've changed it to allow you to browse that menu, but even take it a step further, show the top four items, the top four dishes, so that that person is looking forward to coming into that restaurant. But in acquisition side, I think having beautiful menus with pictures, not a PDF or not just text on the web po- website or on Google listing, et cetera, is critical. Being on social media, I think it's absolutely a must, especially in a food space, because how like you're browsing through and you're like, whoa, that looks really good. Like I'm looking at Rev's picture with a hamburger pointing to it. It's like, oh, I'm hungry already. <laughs> so I think pictures will go a long way. And I think reviews, five-star reviews is critical. Literally, you could serve for, I don't know, Mexican food around me. And anyone who's un- like 3.9 or under, kind of good luck getting a new customer because everybody else is at 4.2, 4.5, 4.7. And here you are at 3.9. How are you going to get them in? Like they're not yeah. going to trust that you're going to be able to deliver. So those are the two things I would focus on. Beautiful pictures on the menu, share that across your social media pages, Google, Yelp, wherever you uh, you are. And then focus on five-star reviews, increase those five-star reviews in a smart way, utilizing your existing happy customers, not just yep. mass marketing or going after everybody, even those who had a bad experience. Oh, I yeah. can't tell you how many times that I've, I've taken a survey and I've just intentionally just trashed it. And they're still saying, hey, you should leave us a five-star review. It's like, <laughs> what are the odds of that? Yeah, I've... Um... And it's funny, this is one of the things we'll talk about uh, this because there, there are a couple of different approaches to this. And in January, this is where we'll um, we'll really dig in and show you some uh, tactics that work for how to get how to get all that stuff. But this is great. Menus, pictures, reviews. Great. Kyle, uh, bring it home when it comes to customer acquisition, that piece. Uh, what would you recommend? I had a feeling we might all hit around the same topic on this, but I want to <laughs> nail in on reviews a little more. Um, to what Hamid said, it is it is so critical to be in that top three of the Google search engine results page when somebody Googles best pizza near me. It's basically top three or bust um, because that's where people are looking. And that's also what Google is showing to Hamid's point. If you right now go look best pizza near me, the default option that Google shows is four stars and higher. You have to manually go in and change it if you want to see anyone below four stars. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you. I'm never going to do that. Right. I Like nobody does that. And so you don't have to be at five stars. Nobody's at five stars mm-hmm. if you've got a good amount of reviews. But you do need to hit that four star if you want to start seeing some traffic come in there. The other point I wanted to bring up is the importance of responding to reviews that you get online. Um and the analogy we like to use is if you're in your restaurant, if someone's dining in and they, they're at the table or they come up to you and they just rave to you about the great experience you had, they had, how weird would it be if you just 
gave him a stale look and walked away, right? Like you, you wouldn't, you would say, oh, thank you. Here's, you know, something to come back. But essentially that's happening online when you're ignoring reviews, whether they're positive or negative. And the reviewer sees that, they see that you don't respond and yeah. they see what that says. But then other people in the discovery phase also see you not responding to reviews and it sends a message, right? It sends a message about what you care about. So I think I would emphasize the importance of reviews. They're still important. They're still big. Um, and those specific aspects. I think they've only gotten bigger over the last couple of years. I remember I had um, I had a woman uh, from Moz.com on to the Restaurant Strategy podcast back in 2020. And it was just where reputation management, where the reviews were starting to factor into uh, the way that uh, search results were being returned. And now it's such a huge piece of the algorithm um, in how things are uh, found and searched on uh, Apple Maps, on Google Maps, uh, and other things like that. It's uh, We've come so far in just two and a half years. Rev, I'll ask you to sort of bring this, uh, bring this home. Is there anything you'd add here uh, aside from what's already been mentioned? Since my top three answers on the board were already used... <laughs> I'll throw one last quick one in there. If you absolutely 100% need to come up at the top of near me searches on Google, buy your way there. I cannot recommend Google search ads enough. In, in addition to everything else that was said, like if you definitely want to be at the top of the hamburger near me search, buy it, right? It is a cheap, easy, scalable way to get people to click from your website. And if you're good at it, you could be paying less than like 75 cents. And if I walked up to any restaurant operator on the planet, regardless of unit count, and said, would you pay 75 cents to get somebody to go to your website? And they said, no, I would suggest maybe they find a different business. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So what I, the two cents I was going to add in um, sort of piggybacks right on that. And when it comes to customer acquisition, I think uh, paid digital channels um, can't be overstated. It's amazing how few restaurants are actually spending money on Facebook, on Instagram, on Google ads. You go in right now, whatever city you're in, type best restaurant in and then type your city. Uh, I promise you 95% of you are going to see nothing. There is no one running an ad um, against those keywords, which is sort of mind blowing when we look at some of the great restaurants that are in great markets. Um, I just think uh, I just think Facebook, Instagram, and Google Ads are such an untapped market for just straight customer acquisition, raising awareness and drawing new people into your um, into your web. Okay, that's customer acquisition. I want to switch over to retention, right? So this is the next thing. We found a way to get them in. Fine, great. Who cares? We don't need one visit. Um, restaurant survives by multiple visits a month or a year. So. Let's talk about customer retention. Let's talk about the number one tip. And I want to, again, go around the horn here when it comes to customer retention. Kelsey, kick us off. What's the what's the number one thing you think independent operators should be focused on? So I'll get super minute and small and specific here. Great. It's on we the love, review. We screen. love deep tactics. Respond to your three-star reviews. Should you be responding to all reviews? Yes, absolutely. Do you have time to do that? Of course you don't. Pay attention to the three-star reviews. Five stars are guaranteed. They're going to come back. They love you. One stars, you're probably not going to change their mind. The three-star reviews are the people that are on the fence. They're going to give you the best feedback. The food was incredible, but we had to wait a really long time. 
We loved our server, but the fries weren't as good as we wanted them to be. They give you the best tips for improvement and responding to those reviews are going to give you the best chance of a repeat visit from somebody that's willing to give you a second try and then might leave a five-star review and become a regular loyal guest the next time. I love that. All right, um, Hamid, what do you got? All right, so uh, this one I'm going to be very specific to. Uh, and I actually use a personal example. I go into this restaurant. I know their average check size is 67 bucks. I spend minimum twice as much. Yet, every time I go in, I have to wait 45 minutes in line. Like, to me, that's absurd. Now, what are they doing? They're, they're saying to me, the guy who spends twice as much, they're telling me that they don't value me. They're, they're treating me just like everybody else, just like the guy who spends half as much as the average spend. So I would say <clears throat> focus on elevating the customer experience for those existing customers and be able to use that to wow them and say, look, I understand you're a VIP customer. You spend twice as much, which means we're making twice as, twice as much money. You're tipping twice as much because you're spending twice as much. We want you to come back in. Yes, we do have a one-hour wait, but I'm going to bump you to the top of the list, and I'm going to have you seated in the next five minutes. I think that's something that you, as a restaurant owner, you should be able to control, and you should be able to have a, have a gateway that allows you to separate the new customers, because you know they haven't been there, so treat them differently. But more importantly, treat those VIP customers different just like the airline industry does just like the hotels do again this has been done across other industries yet i have never walked into a restaurant where they treated me because again i'm a new customer and they said oh it's your first time here oh how did you know that or i'm an existing customer i spent twice as much and they're saying hey you don't have to wait in line or you have an allergy already know about it Here's what I'm going to do. Again, surprising and surprising and delighting the guest, I think, is a critical part of that retention strategy. And by the way, 70% of the customers that are first-time visitors will not come back. How do you survive on 30% of your customers? Like, I have yet, like, even in, like, in, in our space, I'm looking at our business if we were to lose 70% of our customers after they signed up, we would never be in business. Like we would go out of business in no time. So 100%. focus on those customers and try to reduce that 70%. You know, you're not going to get it to 10, 15, 20%, but get it to 50%. And that 20% bump is going to absolutely crush your profit margins. They'll help you. You'll do so well. It'd be you would look at your entire restaurant as a completely brand new business because it becomes so profitable. Yeah, you know, it's it's this old, um, it's the Pareto's principle, right? The 80-20 rule. 80% of your revenue typically comes from 20% of your customers. 80% of your problems, you typically come from 20% of your customers, things like that. And we see it over and over and over. Uh, There's a professor at Wharton, his name is Peter Fader. He wrote a book called Customer Centricity, if anybody here has not read it, read it. If anybody listening uh, or watching has not read it, read it. Um, it's all about the power of um, the, that customer lifetime value, CLV, he calls it. And it's right there with that. It's that there are people who are more valuable to us um, than other than other customers. And we should have a way um, 
to treat them individually. Uh, and, and that goes probably for everybody, but especially for that for that group. I love that, Hamad. Uh, Kyle, Kyle, bring us home. Yeah. So first, I want to emphasize that 70 percent stat. It's very interesting because we had heard that 70 percent stat, the 70 percent of guests don't come back independently a few years ago. And we had been using it in some of our materials. And then we just finished our own long term data analysis study of one of our multi-unit brands over 18 months, 150,000 guests. And that data showed the exact same thing, that 70% of guests didn't come back after the first time. Then Hamid was on our podcast, and he said that he had just run the data for his clients, and he got 70%. So it's real. Um, And I think that number is surprising. I think that's larger than many people would initially guess. Um, And so I would say, as far as a tip, if you know it's a problem, you can't solve it until you know what's causing that problem. Do you know why people aren't coming back to your restaurant? Mm. And the way to find out is to ask, are you asking people about their experience? Are you finding out why people aren't coming back? And um, if you're not making it easy for them to tell you, it's the same as not asking, you know, a, a contact us form, if that's all you've got, that's, that's not enough. A online reviews, as good as they are for discoverability and acquisition, they don't represent the average guest experience. To Kelsey's point, most people leaving online reviews are five star or one star. And you have a lot of people in the middle who didn't have a terrible experience, so they're not going to tell you about it, but it still wasn't great. And they just don't come back. So you've got to make it easy for them to tell you and you've got to ask. I love that. Um... Actually, quickly to jump in, I, I yeah. agree, Kyle, you were spot on. Like you gotta, <laughs> you really gotta look at this whole customer as a whole. Like if they, why are you not coming back? You know, it was it bad food? Was it bad service? And and using something like Ovation to get them to give you that immediate feedback, and also you could use that feedback to reward them and then track that redemption of that whatever reward you gave them, if you had to discount the food, but at least they have a reason to come back. And I think that's where restaurants kind of fall short. They don't give them a reason to come back. First time customers, look, if it, if it takes 25 bucks to get them to come back, give them 25 bucks because you have no idea what kind of impact that's going to have on that LTV or the lifetime value of that customer. So a lifetime value of that customer, like we talked about paying 75 cents or whatever on, on Facebook, Google, et cetera, to get the customers to come back in. But if your average check size is, whatever your average check size is, you should be willing to part ways with that to get that customer to come back in. So in yeah. my example that I give, if it's 67 bucks, you should be willing to spend $67 to get every customer back into that restaurant. You know, there was a case study when I was in business school. It was all about HelloFresh. And HelloFresh knows that the average new user um, stays with them for about 32 weeks. So it's roughly about $2,000 in revenue. They're willing to spend uh, up to 10% of that. Roughly, they give three weeks of free delivery, $60 a week, 60 times three is 180. It's give or take about, you know, eight, 9% acquisition cost. They're willing to spend 180 because they know on average they'll get somebody for about $2,000. Would you be willing to spend 180 to get a 10x return 
on that investment. And ultimately, that's where I want all restaurant owners to get to, to think in terms of what do we want to happen? What do we have to do to make that happen? And what are we willing to invest? It's not spending on marketing. It's investing on marketing and understanding. We talk all about ROI, ROI, and people love to talk a big game, but it's never been easier than it is now because of all the digital touch points we have to actually measure what we do and whether the thing happens that we want it to happen. So Rev, I'm going to let you close this out, the, the retention piece to it. Anything else you'd add in here? Anything we haven't talked about? Sure. Again, I'll be brief and quick because all of these ideas are amazing and hundred percent should happen. I'm about uh, ease and scalability and you know what? Acquisition costs dollars. Retention should cost pennies. What's the fastest, easiest, most scalable way to spend a couple pennies to get a guest to come back? Send an email. You should be, especially as an independent operator or, you know, even, you know, it doesn't matter really any size, send a weekly email. I like personalization and automation and welcome email flows and win backs and bounce backs. I'm a marketer. I love that stuff. But if you're not sending any emails, start by sending a weekly newsletter because retention is about staying top of mind and getting into the consideration set. And there's no faster, easier way to do that on a scalable level than send an email. I love that. All right. I'm going to share my favorite thing. It's the last chapter of my book. So the restaurant marketing mindset is a book that just came out in October. Um, and the very last chapter of it talks about a totally free tactic and, to my experience, uh, one of the best tactics to use. So I, I sort of grew up in this industry in fine dining. Um, and, and as a maitre d', you know, I, I spent a lot of time at the front door. And the thing that I that has a 20 percent um, success rate. Right. And, and so there's an 80 percent failure rate. Oh, the, I love this. I know where you're going. But the 20 percent <laughs> is real. <laughs> so, and I'll say this, and when I would consult, I'd go in and I'd talk to a manager or an owner or a maitre d' and i say, hey, if I showed you how to do something tonight that would get 20% of your covers, so 100 covers in the book, 20 of them back in the next two weeks, would you do it? And they were like, well, yeah, of course, but but what? We're, we've already tried everything. I said, it's absolutely free. It's just really hard to do. Are you ready? And they say, yeah, yeah. I said, and, and sometimes I've done this where I like put money on the line. I said, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you actually do it. Uh, but you got to give me a hundred bucks if you screw up even just once. <laughs> right. And what it is, is this, it's, it's never easier, but when the guests are on their way out, you just scrub the following sentence from your vocabulary. Thanks so much. Have a great night. It's absolutely useless. We just showed them a great night. We are not responsible for what happens when they leave the door. We've done everything we possibly could. What we actually want to do in that moment is say, Thanks so much. When are you coming back? Thanks so much. Can I make another reservation for you? And what happens is when you actually corner someone, you look them in the eye, shake their hands and say, hey, thanks so much for coming out tonight. Let me uh, let me get the next reservation of the books. When are you guys free again? Right. Eighty percent of them will sort of laugh and go, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We'll be back. We'll we'll call. We'll call. Don't worry. And they'll they'll leave again. Eighty percent failure rate. But what happens is that 20 percent of the covers start thinking about stuff they have coming up and. Here's the beauty part about human beings. We don't think about what's going on in two months, three months, four months. We literally think what's happening in the next two weeks. So when you say, thanks so much for coming tonight. Let me make another reservation for you. When are you guys free? They start thinking of the next few things they have coming up. Oh, honey, your sister's coming in from town, uh, from out of town. We didn't know where we were going to take them. We should come here. Or, hey, baby, you're, you've got clients coming in. You should definitely take them here. I mean, it's a great meal. They're going to love it. They start thinking of things that they have coming up, like 
people visiting or they're going to the theater or they're entertaining clients. And you literally will get 20% of the people who are there to rebook. Now, do they cancel later? Yes, yeah, some of them probably do. But you get 20% of them to rebook. And I, I don't know, if I could get 20% of tonight's covers to rebook and come back in the next two, maybe three weeks, um, absolutely, hands down, I would do it. We, we, we discount the power of actually being hospitable and providing good service. And it's the same thing we do when we have, when we have people over for a dinner party. Right. It's the same thing you do at the end of the party. Man, this is so great. We got to do this again. All right. Everybody bring out your phones. Let's find a date on the calendar. <laughs> That's all we're doing. Let's get a date on the calendar. Yeah. Somebody's going to back out. Yeah. Somebody's kid's going to get sick and they're not going to be able to whatever. Life's going to come up. But you got something on the calendar. All I'm suggesting is we get something on the calendar for a bunch of our guests every single night. It's one of the best things that that works when it comes to retention. And uh, and so with all of the great pieces we have here. Some of it is just good old fashioned. Be nice and, and and ask them the question that you really want to ask them. All right. I love we've it. Gone, actionable. Make actionable. it actionable right away. Yeah. A hundred percent. So we've gone through acquisition. We've gone through retention. Now we get to evangelism, which is really about sparking word of mouth. Rev travels the country and speaks, you know, takes stages and does all this. I, I do that too. I take the stage and I'll give talks. And I always ask, I say, hey, what's the what's our biggest marketing tool available to us? And hundreds of people will call back and they'll say, word of mouth. I said, great. So then tell me your word of mouth strategy. Sir, what's your plan for word of mouth? And they just sort of clam up and look at me. And then I say, well, what's your plan for uh, for word of mouth? And they just look at me. And then I get a bunch of deer caught in headlights. And finally, somebody, you know, meekly raises their hand. And they say, well, we, we just make sure they have a really great time. And then, and then they tell everybody they know about us. I said, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that happens some of the time. But I want stuff that we can control. I want us to know that we've got agency in this area. So, again, we've got a bunch of really smart restaurant marketers here. Let's go around the horn again. I'll start again. Kelsey, bring us uh, bring I feel us like I here. should let someone else go first. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're good at kicking us off. All right. Um, well, I'm going to be a terrible marketer in this sense, and I'm not going to talk about something related to Marquee. Uh, <laughs> I think that for evangelism, the more organic – it appears the more value it holds for a guest. And so the best evangelism is influenced by you, but not created by you. And in that vein, I think the best thing that you can do is figure out who of your guests has some sort of presence on social media and create an experience for them to make your restaurant look incredible. Whether that's a first Tuesday of every month, you have a influencer night and you roll out some new test menu items for them to come in and taste and get a 10% off all cocktails, or you live in a small town and you don't have a ton of huge influencers in your big city, but you know, you have a regular that's always taking pictures of food when they come in. Every town has influencers. Every town has someone who has influence with the other people in the community. That could be a teacher. That could be a mayor. That could be a local uh, athlete. The fire department, the guy, the person yep. that owns the nail salon, the principal, whoever. Do, do you know what happens when you invite the local fire department in for this Tuesday event? They bring all of their people. They bring, and everybody's taking pictures and and there's nothing like, and they're going to, they're going to go and then the other city, uh, the other city organizations are going to pick it up and they're going to 
absolutely that's how it spreads like wildfire. You don't have to shut down your restaurant for the whole night and have a private event and invite 300 influencers. It doesn't need to be that big. It's just about taking the time once a month to create an experience that's interesting enough to document. I love it. I love and, that. And I think that's huge. I, again, terrible marketer for Marquee. Marquee has nothing to do with this, but I think it's really valuable. This is, you know, the power here, right, is that um, you guys think about this all the time in the way that I think about it all the time, that Rev thinks about it all the time. And I think the particular value, again, for anybody attending this event is not necessarily to learn the ins and outs. You are going to learn a lot about the software here because they're really powerful tools. You're going to learn really actionable tips there. But you guys get to peek behind the curtain of thousands of restaurants and you get to know what works and what doesn't work. And I think the the cool part is like, hey, you know what? I saw the, somebody do this. Hey, somebody did, hey, you know, somebody did that. And I bet you could adapt that for, for what you guys do. And that's the power of having you guys down there at the event, um, taking the stage with, with me and Rev. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just, the power is just in what you've seen. That's what experience is and being able to share your experiences. So I love that idea. All right, Hamed, what do you got? Evangelism, how do you spark word of mouth? Yeah, uh, and Kelsey, by the way, I think even though it may not have anything to do with with Marquee, but I think these value ads are are not to be underestimated because our job is not to just sell our products and services and walk away, right? We're like, we look at ourselves as a value added resource to you where we can chip in in areas that we've seen success because we've seen it across a thousand other restaurants. But to answer your question specifically, I have a dream. So I'll give you, I'll give you this story. So here's actually where like, we've thought about this countless time and this is what we're doing. And I think this is gonna just absolutely be a game changer. So obviously we have a complete customer data pl platform. We keep track of all the customer experiences and what we're, tr what we're doing, what we're dreaming of, this is not done yet, but we would, we would gather, we would know who Rev is, how often he comes in, how much money he spends, what's his average spend, what is his satisfaction score with the brand? Then we cross-reference that with social media and say, look, the guy's got 122,000 followers on, on Instagram, right? He's a happy customer because his satisfaction score is 95%. His lifetime value is like 2,500 bucks, so he spends a ton of money with us. He comes in every four to six weeks, and he's got 122,000 followers on Instagram, then we could automatically draft out an email to him saying, hey, Rev, I know you're a happy customer. I know you come in all the time and I know you spend a ton of money. And realizing you've got 120,000 followers on Instagram, would you do X? And I think that's where you would really crush it is get those customers who are more likely to do that and then get them to come in and become that brand ambassador for your restaurant chances are they're going to say yes. If I ask him to do that for a restaurant he's never been to, he's like, yeah, pay me X, right? Or no, I'm not going to do it flat out. But if it's his favorite restaurant that he goes there all the time, and by the way, all you got to do is just comp his meal or give him a VIP status, bump him to the top of the list, treat them and surprise them. And it goes back to this thing. I, I read this thing, I don't know, 10 years ago. And it said, if the customers are happy, 
33% of the time they'll refer you. If they're really happy, they'll refer you like 60% of the time. But if you surprise the customer with any surprise, something completely unexpected, that referral rate goes to 90%. And I think that's what the restaurant industry needs to do. And by the way, again, it could be just as easy as bumping them to the top of the list or giving them a flight of appetizers for free or sending a dessert or again, anything to surprise that customer. Now, again, we have a dream. So until we get to that stage, just bring it back to earth and just do it normally. And by the way, like this happened to me, right? Again, another restaurant that we always went to, never waited in line. And every time we got sat in our kind of patio area that we love to sit in, a flight of guacamole and queso and, and salsa would just come right to the table at no cost. But that built loyalty to that brand and it kept us going back over and over again because we knew if we go in there, we get treated better. And by the way, the manager moved to another location we stopped going for like six months. The yeah. experience was gone. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love it. it it's just, um, it requires you to be intentional, but uh, I think that my takeaway always when we talk about this is that it's actually easier than we think. Um, Kyle, talk to me about uh, evangelism. Yeah, so I think evangelism is created when you exceed expectations in any way. And the great news is that that can be in really little ways and really inexpensive ways. And the bar has generally been set pretty low that it just takes a little bit to blow someone out of the water. Um, so I have some data and I have a quick story. So I mentioned we just finished this big data analysis with one of our customers. And one of the things we found was the way, the dramatic way that just simply responding to someone, any response just vastly increases retention rates. So if somebody leaves a one out of five on the first question of our survey, if you do nothing, it's a, it's a retention rate of 13%. They'll come back, 13% of them will come back if they had a one out of five. The minute you just simply send any response, it jumps from 13% to 58% retention rate. Whoa. And then if you include their name in that response, it jumps from 58 to 68%. What? Like 68% of the time just saying, hey, Kyle, thanks for coming in. Appreciate the feedback. It's crazy. It's a small thing. And um, it also, it doesn't take a lot of lifts for your team. If you've got AI tools, you can respond in a couple clicks. Um, and so I experienced this in a way Back in college, uh, which it, it may look like I'm in right now, but I'm not. It's, it's been a couple of years. Um, <laughs> back in college, it was Thanksgiving week, just like now. And then we got an assignment to go write a thank you letter to a business that we loved. And um, the first one that popped to mind was Costa Vida. They're like one of my favorite restaurants. If you know Costa Vida, really awesome Mexican grill. It's big here in Utah. And so I found their support email and I just sent them a nice email. I was like, I love you guys. Thanks for being around. I love your food. And I didn't expect to hear back, um, but I did hear back and they were like, wow, thank you. We're so glad to have you. Here's a voucher for two free meals so you can come with somebody else. And let me tell you, I was a fan of Costa Vida before that, 
that moment is when I became an evangelist of Costa Vida, right? That's that's why I'm talking about them right now. That's why uh, we had them cater our wedding reception. Like I just, <laughs> I love, that was a big moment and it cost them 20 bucks, you know, like and a minute of somebody's time to respond. So it really can be small things, but as long as you're exceeding that expectation level, you'll get some fans. I love that. Rev, what else do you have to add here when it comes to evangelism? Long live sliders. I put everything you guys said. I posted on National Coffee Day that I went and got a coffee at White Castle because I don't like to do things like everybody else. And I didn't think anybody expect me to be posting coffee from White Castle. But they saw it and they sent me a handwritten letter. Okay. Hey, Rev, enjoy your next coffee meal on us. Thanks for being a craver. Best White Castle and a $10 gift card. Okay. Whoa. Now they saw me post, so I tagged them. And somebody had the, the wherewithal to do basically everything you guys said. Hey, what's your address? Like, oh, here's my address. And they sent me a gift card for coffee. Here I am now, weeks later, still talking about it. This is in access of my phone calls because it was such a cool move. Okay. Now you don't need to answer your DMs to get to that level. It's everything you guys have said. It's any way you can enhance the experience. If I'm ever at Handcraft Burgers and Brew, and if I'm there, it's because I'm taking pictures of food for social media. I will look at what people have ordered and I will walk over and I'll give them a free handcraft sauce, a free ramekin of our house made barbecue, like little tiny sauces. Like, oh, I saw you got the fries, but you didn't get this sauce. Here you go. That cost us like 12 cents. You know what I mean? And it's yep. those little it's those little things. It's replying to review. It's saying something in a DM, giving somebody a sauce. Uh, we have an automation that runs at the shop that every time somebody hits their fifth transaction, we just send them a, an email that says, hey, welcome to the Five Timers Club. Thanks. Like, that's it. <laughs> Treating, finding little easy ways to make people feel special. Yeah. And by the way, I'll add to that real quick. I think so. I'm a big proponent of giving your staff the right tools to be successful. Yeah. So if you don't empower your staff to send that free coffee, then you're not giving them the tools to be successful. Therefore, you're not successful. So just the cost, yes, there's a cost to it. But trust me, the acquisition cost versus retention, retention is so much cheaper. Yeah. And give the tools to your staff. Let your staff be empowered to make these decisions and actually make that difference on your behalf. That's the scalable model. Otherwise, you're constantly having to be reactive to that and constantly approve it, et cetera. Just set the limit. Say, look, you've got, you could do 10 bucks per customer. Boom, done. Yep. You know, there, there's a couple of different things that, uh, that come to mind as, we, as we're wrapping up our time here. Um, the thing that I believe wholeheartedly is most restaurants out there have currently have all the customers they'll ever need to be wildly, wildly successful. And we talk a lot about butts and seats, butts and seats. And we have to stop and say, it doesn't matter whose butt is in the seat. An old butt costs less than a new butt. So I think we have everything we need to be wildly successful and profitable if we only were more methodical about this, the amount of money we spend on, I mean, here's the, the secret to the triangle, right? The, these three pieces, 
customer acquisition, customer retention, and evangelism, which I wrote about in my book, which I, I wholeheartedly believe. The reality is they work best when done in reverse order because it assumes that you've got a certain amount of people coming in. What can we do specifically to make sure those people rave about their experience? We give them, we surprise them with something. We do something over the course of their meal where they go, whoa, I've never seen that before. That's everything from a really unique dish to a really unique plating of a dish to really cool decor to the wings on the side of the building or the neon sign that people just have to take a photo in front of or going over to the the people who are loving it and saying, hey, looks like you're loving it. Is that true? And they're going to go, yeah, of course. You're like, yeah, here's Great. a Wendy's jacket and Wendy's hat for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I so well prepared. Uh, yeah. I love the costume change. But like. If we just said, assumed, and this is that flywheel idea, right? So Jim Collins wrote about this in Good to Great way back in 2001. We say, everybody who comes in, we know there's a system in place to get them to go rave about it. And we know there's a system in place to get them to come back, whether that's bounce back cards or retargeting or email or loyalty or SMS or through guest feedback and pushing them where we, we need to push them. We know that there's something in place to get them to come back. So then we know that every dollar we spend to get a new person in, we know they're evangelists and we know they're going to come back. We know that there's already systems in place for doing that, which is really the whole idea of the weekend, right? So the entire weekend that we're putting together, um, again, sponsored by Milagro, Ovation, and Marquee. Can't thank you guys enough for the support. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be really great to have you guys there. Rev and I are going to be co-hosting this. We're sort of curating these five different workshops, and it's interactive. Not only are you going to be immersed in this, but it's interactive. It's not just us standing from the stage and, and telling you things. Um, you can get that from a podcast, but it's going to be back and forth. You're going to be workshopping things. We're going to be working with you, and you're going to be working with other people in there. That's the whole point of, of going and being around other people and meeting other people is actually working with the other people. Again, you're going to come out of here with very specific tactical things. We say, hey, you should be sending a newsletter every week. What should that say? When should it go out? How should you arrange that? That we're going to go through. When we talk about guest feedback, hey, how do you get people uh, to, to tell you whether they liked it or not? How do we think about the customer journey when it comes to what Hamed was talking about, right? Identifying the, the people who are the big spenders and not the big spenders. And how do we treat them I a little bit differently? We'll even walk through a structure of exactly how to reply to reviews since we all talked about reviews. Yes. What is When is the right time to reply? What you should have in that reply? Where to reply? We'll, we'll go through all that stuff. Yeah. So very actionable, very tactical. What should I do? What is working today? How do I improve my business um, when I walk out the door? That's the point of the P3 Marketing Summit. Rev, any last words here before we uh, close this thing down? And be an action taker. Seriously, if you sat through this entire live broadcast or you heard the podcast on uh, Chip's feed or you saw one of the pieces of social media we created from this, be an action taker. That You want to be successful, right? You didn't start this business or get a job in this business to sit around and be a loaf. Be an action taker. That's what this is all about. Be an action taker because action takers get the Wendy's jackets. I would, love to, I would love to chime in and say, I, we're a part of this because we really, really believe in it. And we're not like, not only are we all marketers, we're all restaurant people. Yeah. We've been on the restaurant side of it. And we understand there's not an easy button. Some of the things that you have to implement 
are hard and they take time, but it's worth the investment to create that sustainable retention model and get loyal customers that are going to keep coming back. So we're not here to just sell you our individual products. We're here to really help you invest in your business and your restaurant because we've been there. We mentioned this at the beginning, but I will go back and say that all three of these sponsors are part of this because we believe the products are that good and they really help the independent operator and owner do what they need to do uh, in a better, more effective, more efficient way. So yeah, I mean, total alignment in that uh, we want to throw a great event. We want to throw an event where people are learning a ton so that they want to come back next year and year after and year after year after. You know, we want to put them in a room with people who uh, who know more than they do and they can get more ideas and all of that. And again, the value that you guys bring to the table, Hamed, Kyle, Kelsey, is that you guys get to peek behind thousands and thousands of curtains into these restaurants and you get to bring all that to the table. Kyle, the data you were sharing uh, really blew my mind. The 13%, 58%, 68%. I'm going to literally be dreaming about that as I fall asleep tonight because that's so, so serious and so straightforward and simple. I love it. And I'll chime in real quick. So yeah, look, guys, I read this stat some time ago and it said in order to be in the top 1%, you have to do the things that the 99% won't do. We're all in agreement. It's not easy. Running a restaurant is difficult. But there are things that you could do to make it easier and get a competitive edge. And the timing of this thing, the, the P3 Summit, is absolutely perfect. It's right at the beginning of the year. Yes. So plan it out. It's the most perfect time. You're, you're hyped up. You're starting a brand new year. Come in learn from everybody else, get an agenda together, go back and start executing. Put an action place in place. And again, you're starting in January. The timing could not be more perfect to attend the P3. And again, make that action list and execute it for the next 12 months. Absolutely. Can I just say, if you liked anything I had to say today, you are going to love the summit because it's not going to be me. It's going to be our CEO, Zach Oates, who's got bigger ideas, bigger hair, and he's just, he's a real speaker. So look forward to that. I don't know. I'm thinking about messaging Zach right now and be like, can we get Kyle instead? <laughs> he probably wouldn't mind. One Zach, Zach is great. He's great on stage. Uh, he's very smart, very passionate, uh, which I think we all appreciate. Um, guys, I appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to do this and talk about this. To everybody listening, uh, everybody watching, if you want to learn uh, more about this, go to uh, Restaurant Strategy Podcast. Uh, dot com. There's a banner across the top. Click the banner. It will take you to an information page. Um, you will learn everything. Uh, you can get your <laughs> tickets there. You can learn about the different workshops, the structure of it, where we're hosting the parties. All of that information is there. Uh, so please go do that. If you've got any questions, you can reach out to either Rev or myself uh, via LinkedIn, uh, any DMs on Facebook or Instagram, wherever you want to connect with us. We will happily uh, answer your questions about the event. More than anything, I hope you guys um, choose to come. The one thing I haven't said is this event is being capped at 100 people. So it is a small event. It's not some huge trade show where you're going to be swallowed up in a convention center. It is small. It is intentionally small. So we've got plenty of FaceTime with everybody in, in that room, which I think is a is a different kind of event from the ones that uh, that I think a lot of us attend throughout the year. For sure. Awesome. 
I appreciate all of you guys. Rev, thanks for hosting us here. Kelsey, Hamed, Kyle, thank you very much. Everybody out there, I hope you come join us in Columbia, January 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2024. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.